There we are. Um, second session. What does the Holy Spirit do? Let me just start with a, a short prayer. Um, just asking God by His Spirit to help us. Uh, Father, simply that. We thank you for your promise to pour out your Spirit. And we pray that your Spirit would now help our minds to take in truth about you and our hearts to receive your life wills that decide to walk in your ways so be with us now we pray for jesus sake amen amen just let me just pick up um before i go through this this sort of metaphor of of family life as an attempt to describe what it is that the spirit does in the life of a christian a believer uh, a child of God. Um, but before I do, just to pick up on that, that phrase in, in Ezekiel that we looked at earlier, I will put my Holy Spirit in you, God promises, and you will live. Um, and it, it, it's, it's trying to tease out what God is, is sort of saying through the prophet by, by living or by life. Because you're, you're sitting here now thinking, well, I've, I've just helped myself to a lovely croissant, some coffee, and I'm looking at, you know, and I, I'm engaging, I'm talking, I can go for a walk. I, I'm living already. I don't understand this sort of, you know, what is God talking about? I'm already alive. How can I live when I'm alive? And I think I want just to, at, the, at the start of this talk to try and hold up this, this sort of framework of understanding that I think God through the pages of scripture has for life. And it is really that there are different spheres, if you like, or, or realms or dimensions of life, each of them perfectly valid in and of themselves. But um, let me try and explain what I mean. There's not a, oh, yeah, there, there are some flowers there. Um, and we look at those flowers and we say, well, they are, they're alive. Actually, they've got a shelf life, haven't they? Because they've been devoid from, cut from their so- ultimate source of life. But they're, they're clearly living. You could look at these, you could look at the leaves. And, uh, and, uh, and they have a, they do indeed have a lovely scent. So they, they're giving off signs of life and uh, they're being resourced by the water in that jug. And so they are alive. Those plants are, are, are fully alive in a, in, a, in a rose's realm of life. But if I had a ball and I bounced the ball in front of those flowers, they wouldn't respond. They're alive in a rose sense, fully alive in a rose sense, but they're not alive to the realm of play. Whereas if I had that ball and bounced it in front of a dog or a cat, the, the dog or cat, the animal, would respond to the ball. So that, that, that an animal is alive in a, in a different or, or a, if you like, additional way to the, to the roses. There's a, there's a whole realm of possibility open to a dog or a cat if I bounce a ball that just isn't open to a rose. But if I said to that same dog and cat, I prize the ball off them, and I said, right, sit there and tell me what the square root of 49 is. They just look at the ball and say, when are you going to bounce that again? (laughs) (laughs) If you like, if I can put it as starkly as this, they're dead to the realm of mathematics or science or art or morality, although they're alive to the realm of play. Do you see how there's sort of different 
realms or dimensions of life. And so God recognises, of course, that that, um, we we live in a physical sense. We have appetites, we eat and drink and, and so on. Uh, we live in a kind of relational sense with, uh, on, on, on the kind of human sphere. We like to engage with other people. But the life, ultimately, that God is talking about in the Bible is that, is that um, breathed into him the breath of lifeness that we read about in Genesis 2. That being alive to God, aware of God. The, almost as if the curtain to the kingdom of heaven is pulled back so that we can see on earth your kingdom come. As it is in heaven. It's Jesus' prayer, isn't it? And, and that ability to see, as it were, in, in God's realm of life is something that comes only by the Spirit of God, birthed in us and enabling us to see and comprehend. So I will put my Spirit in you and you will live. Live life, as Jesus said, in all its fullness. That is, alive to God in the physical realm. Alive to all that he wants and desires and purposes for his creation. And we, we, we join with his life. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew. So that my life, I can't remember the exact line, but it's so that my life is sort of, you know, merged in yours. I, you, 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 you live in me. I, I, I burn with a desire for you. It's that kind of living, that kind of life that the Bible's talking about. So that's what the Spirit does. He is the agent of new life. Let's look at our first reference here, page 1006. Because in order for us to live this life, the Bible's very clear. We, we need to be born into it. I'm going to be saying more about this um, tomorrow in, the, in the, the morning service at St. Dee's. And again, that, uh, you can download that talk in due course if you want to look into this a little bit more. But this is where Nicodemus, uh, um, in a sense, someone who has everything. He's a Pharisee. That means he's well-learned and, and schooled in the scripture, in the law. He, he's a knowledgeable man. He's a member of the council, the Jewish ruling council. That means uh, he's got status. He's quite powerful. He will have been well-housed, well-dressed, well-fed. I mean, he's, he's got it all. He doesn't need, uh, he doesn't need anything more. He's a, you know, in the eyes of the society, complete man. And yet he comes to Jesus and clearly there's a kind of hunger for more. So he sneaks up at night and um, asks Jesus this, uh, this question. We know you're a teacher from, who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born when they're old Nicodemus asked surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born poor guy you don't understand this sort of Jesus puts this this concept on him this phrase you think yeah so it's an extraordinary thing he's, phys- he's thinking in the physical realm rather like trying to explain to roses about how you play with a ball he's, the roses don't get it and, and Nicodemus what? born again he's thinking physically and Jesus has to explain to him there's another realm of life and Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, flesh gives birth to flesh. When a man and a woman join together, sexual intimacy, conception, a, 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 a physical human being, there's a physical birth. But if we're to be alive to the, if you like, the spiritual realm within the physical realm, then another 
conception, another gestation, another birth needs to take place. You must be born again, born of the Spirit, in order that we might live by the Spirit, which is what is promised through Ezekiel and what the New Testament writers clearly understand. So much so that it, so much of it is implied. It's not really spelt out in the New Testament. Um, you, you know, just as we would, we don't need to go on and on about how you need to breathe if you want to live today. It's just that's what you have to do. So if you want to live to God, you have to be full of the Spirit. How can we be full of the Spirit? Well, if we are born of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is part of the gestation period, the, the unseen work before birth, if you like, when we, we recognise for the first time, I'm, I, I'm, I'm living in a new way. I'm living in a new way. Now, often I think this can be slightly troubling for us because we, we think, like Nicodemus, this is going to be some extraordinary, dramatic, um, painful and for an adult, extraordinarily humbling experience to, to be like a baby again, to, to, to sort of, you know, somehow be born through my, through my mother again. I, just, I can't get my head around it. And so we sort of fight shy. And we tend to think, oh, that's the Americans, typical. Uh, you know, we English, we wouldn't, we British, we wouldn't talk about you know, being born again. You gotta be born again. I remember talking to someone at a previous church, and they said, "I, you know, I'm, I want you to know, Reverend Stewart, I'm, I am a Christian, but I'm not one of those born again Christians." <laughs> and I, I, gently, I just had to ask her, "What other kind of Christian there is, if it isn't a born again Christian?" But I understand the kind of, you know, that sort of terminology can, it can put us at arm's length. But as I want to say tomorrow, and let me, I'll just give you the headline now, really, that. I think it's, in a sense, this phrase that Jesus uses is perhaps more helpfully understood if we think of God being being born in us, not us being born, but, but God just like a seed, just slowly germinating and growing within us. Um, I remember when, um, particularly when our, our first child was, was born, Becky, and, um, you know, in one sense, nothing changed. I went into the hospital... Um, uh, you know, dressed as I was. And when I came out of the hospital where she was born, I was wearing exactly the same clothes, I had exactly the same hairstyle, I looked exactly the same, I had the same job, I went back to the same house, I was on the same pay, I had the same friends. I mean, in one sense, nothing changed. But in one sense, when I walked out of that hospital, everything had changed. <laughs> and how. <laughs> and it, it's that sort of strange tension of, in a sense, everything being the same, but everything being different. And, and gradually, I remember walking along and um, this, with a buggy and everything, and um, uh, I remember these two, I couldn't help noticing, relatively attractive young ladies in the park, and they, they stopped. And I said, hi. <laughs> 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 and uh, I hi. Uh, and they were killing the baby. Oh, hi. And I said, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my, my daughter. <laughs> and, and I hi. <laughs> I realise that, that, you know, what, I, it wasn't, I realise now that actually, actually what, what really was fulfilling was this new life as part of me. It wasn't me. You, you kind of, you're beginning to live your life for another and actually that's strangely fulfilling. And, and in the same way, you know, it's, it's in a sense losing one's identity for the sake of this life that has been born and grows to influence every aspect of your life. And you suddenly, it just gradually grows in you, the recognition. And this is a spirit-empowered thing. I, I want to live this way. I don't want to live the other way. And it, it's that sense of that life, spirit awareness being 
born into us. So he, he brings new birth, the role of the Spirit. You must be born by the Spirit, Jesus says. And as a result, what happens? Well, as a result, we become sons and daughters uh, uh, of God. We're, we're born into his family. Just turn back one page to John chapter 1. John, his introduction to the, to the whole of his gospel, and he says here, verse 12, um, some people didn't recognise Jesus, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then look, he qualifies it, just as we've been talking about. Children born not of natural descent, nor of uh, human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. How many of you, thinking about your physical birth, had a say in it? How many of you sort of, you know, sent an email or a text ahead of time saying, Mum, Dad, I'd quite like to be born um, on this day, this time, in this way, please. Do something about it. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you had no say in your conception or gestation. And, and actually, even your birth, I mean, the only thing was, I mean, probably best not to resist it too much. Just let nature take its course. But when you entered the world in a physical sense, that was pure gift uh, and, and decision other than yours. It was pure effort and sweat and strain on the part of your, your mum, someone else. And um, so it is with new life in God. It's his gift. It, the, the sweat and the strain was Jesus. And uh, just as in a human sense, you, as it were, you receive life and start to live it. So in the spiritual sense, thanks to the grace of God and his initiative, and thanks to the work and the effort of Jesus, by the Spirit, new life, and we receive it and live it. And as a result, just look at this other reference um, in Romans. Let's look at that one. Page 1071. This, this right to become God's children, part of his family, deliberately adopted by him. I've said before, I've heard of um, accidental conceptions. I've never heard of an accidental adoption. God intended to pick us and choose us to be full members of his family. And that's a work of his spirit, as we see here. Paul describing this to the church in Rome um, in this letter. He says, um, verse 14, let's go of chapter 8. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. Do you see there? It's the Spirit that adopts us. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, that's by the Spirit, the, the, the energising power of the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. It's a word that's difficult to translate. You'll see in the footnote. Um, trying to see the footnote, what does it say? Aramaic for Father, there. Uh, and it, it's a difficult one to, to, to translate um, because it, it carries this sort of, a very intimate um, tone to it. The nearest we could get to in English is why the, translator, the Bible translators are nervous to translate it because it, it, it has unfortunate connotations. The nearest in English we could get to it is a sort of daddy. But in our culture, daddy is a bit childish. So I think the English translators have fought shy of that because in the Middle East, you'd, you'd hear a 50-year-old man refer to his 80-year-old father as Abba, 
it's it, it's a sign of intimacy, not not childishness, if you see what I mean. So they've main, they've maintained the kept the phrase there. It, it's this closeness. The, the spirit enables us to see just how how covenanted we are. His people, his children, in his family. It's by the power of the Spirit and the inspiration of the Spirit that we can call God Father. Um, Prince Charles. He has a number of titles. He's the Prince of Wales. He's the Duke of Cornwall. He's the Knight of the Garter. He's the Duke of Rothsay. He's the Commander of the Royal Navy. He's Great Master of the Royal Order of Bath. He's Earl of Chester, Baron of Renfrew, Lord of the Isles and Great Steward of Scotland. But to William and Harry... He's dad. And the spirit enables us to come to this awesome, majestic, holy, righteous God of the nations. And by the spirit, as we are born of the spirit, we can call him father. Adopted, chosen, deliberately chosen to be part of his family, to grow up in his love and care and provision. I want to say one of the works of the Spirit in human lives is to redeem and restore the broken and painful image that that word Father conjures up for a number of us. Uh, it may be that our human fathers were absent, maybe physically, they just, they just weren't there for us when we were growing up. Or maybe they were there but so distracted by work or other things going on that they were, you know, the, as I say, the lights were on but no one was home. It's a kind of emotional neglect. I, I meet with a number of guys who have grown up and dad is there still in a kind of physical sense. But dad never called the man out of the boy, never affirmed the boy as he was growing up. And, and I meet all sorts of men with that kind of father heart deficit uh, who struggle with this idea of of intimacy, and then they turn it into a girly thing, oh, that's for the women, you know, Christianity, and there's this sort of intimacy stuff. And it's a misunderstanding of, I'm not talking about Hollywood intimacy, which is just let's rush into the bedroom. I'm talking about a, the, the ability just to be free, to be real, and to talk in real terms, in manly terms. I don't get feminine. I'm, I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm off on one now. But it's just, <laughs> come back, come back. But what I'm trying to, to say is that actually for all of us, even if we have an impaired view in, the, in our physical human experience of Father, the Spirit comes and, and, and pieces that together. He, he, he polishes that which is marred. He, he glues together that which is broken so that we can, over time, by his inspiration and power and healing, we, we can have a, a, a whole and releasing and affirming sense of Father. One of the signs of the Spirit at work in a life is when, when we can genuinely, we can just call out Father. How, how do we know that, that, that the Spirit is working in that way in our lives? It, it's a kind of, it's a sort of self-validating experience. You, you kind of, you, you try it and, and see. In much the same way that children do with their, young children with their father. How, how did... I think about my own children. One of the very first sounds that they make is da and ma. And I, I, I think God puts that there 
So they just, they potter around, they make all, when, when they're learning to speak, children make all sorts of sort of babbly noises, completely incoherent. They just, you know, they just dabble around in their own little world. And then they, they go, um, they go, da, 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 da. Oh, that sounds quite good. I'll just try that out. You know, they're just exploring. This seems, you know, I'm like entering into the world of speech. And so they go up to a music sound, they go, da, da. And they go up to a, a, a heater and they go, da, da. And they go to a screen and they go, da, da. And then one of my children comes to me and goes, da, da. And I go, ah, <laughs> And they think, that's good. I didn't get that from the music stand or the heater. I'll do it again. Da, da. Hey, look, it's full of mistakes, okay? So they go, right, great. So all people with two legs, I go, so they go up to, you know, they go up to Matt here. And he goes, Dad, and Matt goes, oh, no, no, I think you, um, oh, Tim, could you? And so they kind of learn. You see, you know, we make, they learn, okay, so not everyone's Dada. But that guy over there, he's Dada. I go to Dada. I recognize his voice. I love being with Dada. When I say Dada, he gives me a hug. This, was, no, this is really basic and sort of childish, but in a sense, that's the work of the Spirit. So, so even if you've never thought of addressing God as father or dad or whatever language the Spirit kind of... Try it. It'll feel foreign and strange. But, you know, what will happen, just as the relationship... What, what happens is the family relationship inhabits that exchange between my children and me. So there's a, there's a bond that happens as we, as we kind of talk it out and try it out. So with the Spirit... As we're born in the Spirit, the Spirit comes and, and grows us as children in the knowledge of our adoption so that we, we know that we are becoming sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Actually, I'm, I'm sort of, I've spilt over into, into my next few points, really, with that. So let me just name them. Just the ongoing work of the Spirit. He, he will develop and strengthen um, our relationship with God. We, we just grow more and more into an understanding of him. That, that verse in um, Ephesians 2, in fact, let's just look at that quickly. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 18, on page 1109. We may have looked, I think Perry looked at this um, when she spoke on prayer, um, the sort of agent of communication, how, how, we, how we are in God's presence. And um, Paul writes, concluding what God has done in Jesus in, in reconciling two um, hostile people groups uh, with centuries of animosity, Jews and Gentiles. And he concludes this, verse 18 of chapter 2, for through him, that's, that's Jesus, and what Jesus did on the cross to, to create a new basis for covenant, for through him, we both, that's Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one Spirit. It's the Spirit that grows our relationship with God because we have access to God as Father. And it's only the Spirit that can do that. Um, I had a friend who worked for Channel 4, and when Channel 4 were doing the crickets um, in this country, they were covering the cricket, uh, he uh, invited me up to Edgerston, one of the test grounds where there was a... Uh, um, test match taking place and um, he got me access to the whole of Edgerston it was far more than having a ticket a ticket would have got me access to my seat but there are all sorts of areas in in Edgerston where I I couldn't go but um, through Jim 
if you like, the sort of Jesus figure in the analogy. Through Jim, he gave me his pass, his Channel 4 pass, or a spare one. That's like the spirit. I, so I had, this, I had the parakletos, the, the, the one called to be with me in my top pocket all day. And with that Channel 4 pass, I could go everywhere. In fact, during one of the intervals, I thought, let's just see how far I can go. <laughs> Where will they let me in? And I went into the long room, I went into the members thing. Just, I just, you've got to be really confident. You don't be sort of, would it be okay? They go, no, it's not okay. But you go, channel four pass. And they go, yeah, come on in. <laughs> and uh, I went, absolutely, I couldn't believe it. I went everywhere. I had access to the whole of the kingdom of heaven, which for many people is Edgerton. I had access to the whole place because Jim... I couldn't get a, it's not, I couldn't like make up my own pass. I can't forge it. They would have spotted the forgery. So it had to be authentic from the, the one with the authority. That was Jim. And he gave me that sort of ever present presence, the ticket, to, 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 to be able to access everywhere. And as a result, I could really get to know Edgbaston, the bits that most members of the public will never get to know. You begin to see that. That's what the Spirit does through Jesus, who gives us his Spirit, the Paraclete, to be with us. We get access to God and to all that is God. Did you, that, that phrase earlier, that verse earlier, we're co-heirs with Christ, heirs of God. So we can go into all the private bits and the, and the special bits. We get a real insight into the kingdom of God. And that's how our relationship by the Spirit is strengthened with God. So understandably, we, we become more like God as he lives in us by his Spirit. So he develops family likeness. That, that reference in Corinthians is that we are being transformed into his likeness uh, with ever-increasing glory. It's true, isn't it? If you spend a lot of time with people, uh, particularly people who are quite influential on you, have maybe an influential friend or business partner or neighbour or whatever it might be, if you spend a quite a bit of time with them, you, you begin to sort of take on some of their mannerisms. and Don't you? Do you, I don't know if you realise that? I was in a church um, where there was a very influential um, leader and speaker. And one of the things that was sort of a slight running joke was that a lot of the, the sort of trainee leaders and speakers in the church would adopt this speaker's mannerisms. <laughs> um, he had a particular way of wiping his nose with his handkerchief. And, and, and these guys would actually go and get a handkerchief. They didn't have handkerchiefs on them. They used to go, they'd get a tissue from the toilet. But they'd get a handkerchief in, in order to sort of begin to adopt this sort of thing. There's some kind of, you know, maybe if I do this kind of thing, I'll become like, you know. And it, it's that kind of sense that as, as, as we allow the spirit reign in our lives, we, inevitably, we're allowing the likeness of God, the likeness of Christ to be formed in us. The Bible has this image of, of fruit. That's that reference in Galatians, which we won't look to, but... but um, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit, this idea of something growing in us, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Against such things there's no law because that law has been written on our hearts and is growing in us, moving us to follow God's decrees. And so we'll, we'll recognise a, a kind of fruitfulness in a, a kind of God-likeness. I wonder, I mean, have you noticed that in, in yourselves as, since you've been doing Alpha or since you've perhaps been coming along to church and engaging with these things? Do you notice, for example, maybe there's an, uh, something on the radio or, or the TV or something in the papers uh, uh, with a religious sort of theme or a Christian theme or something about God or, or, or whatever? And hitherto you just sort of schooned over it. But actually, ooh, I might read that. Or maybe there are conversations at work and you just prick up your ears, someone's talking, maybe someone's mentioned, I don't know, oh, did Alpha, Alpha, oh. And it's a little trigger and you think, I'm, 
now I'll engage with that because there's an interest sparked because there's something of a transforming process in us. We're becoming more open to being in the likeness of God by his spirit. So he develops and strengthens relationship with God. He develops family likeness and he promotes unity in the family. Um, look, let's just, are you still in Ephesians? Let's just turn over a page to chapter 4. Paul says, make, and, and these are now instructions to Christians, people who are born again, who have the Spirit of God living in them. And, and here's, here are these sort of instructions and how do we carry on this life in the Spirit? And so he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In other words, God, through Christ and by his Spirit, unites us. One of the things I, I love about what the Spirit does is, uh, particularly when you see it expressed in the church, which is the people of God come together. And I, I think, um, uh, we've had nothing to do with this, this is the work of the Lord, but at, at St. Darnus, if you come on a Sunday, you'll, you'll, you'll see. And actually, if you come over the whole Sunday, like the 8 o'clock service and the 10.30, and if you have a 6 o'clock, you'll see there is a whole range of ages. I love the fact that here today, we have a whole range of ages. I love the fact that on a Sunday I look out and I can see an eight-month-year-old and someone in their 80s and all ages in between. Uh, And I wonder, I ask myself, where else do you see that naturally? Where else do you see such a range of backgrounds and ages and stages and cultures and educations and um, coming together and delighting in one another? The comments that I often receive, and again, there's nothing to do with me, but people just say to me, oh, you know, there's a real sense of, of warmth and sort of family and togetherness. Now, what do you think is the cause of that? Who do you think it is who's, who's propagating that? The Spirit. He promotes that unity. One Lord, one God, one Father who's overall and in all. So as we begin to recognise the life of Christ in us, and we begin to recognise more of God, we begin to recognise more of God in the life of others. In fact, very often we, we, we notice it more easily in others than in ourselves. That's why we need one another. I'm the last person to recognise if God is kind of doing something in me. Other people say, Tim, Tim, have you noticed? You've been talking a lot or thinking a lot or whatever about this or that or the other. Or we might say, Jim, I've noticed over the last few, you are, you're, you're just so generous. Or you're so faithful. Or so prayerful. Like, Am I? I was talking to, I don't know if she might be saying, Sue Gayen, our, our prayer coordinator. She doesn't think she's particularly prayerful. <laughs> De quoi? <laughs> <laughs> We need to help people to see what God is doing and birthing and energising in other people. That's why we need one another. We don't easily see it in ourselves. But that all comes out of recognising God in one another. And that is the work of his spirit. Finally, uh, in this talk, and then we'll go to our group. um, One of the things that the spirit does is to give gifts to the children. I've got, let's just turn over to page, uh, to, to, to the 1 Corinthians text, page 1088. Turn back, rather. 1088. One of the things about Christmas, all of us, whether we have our own children or just we're around, um, children or anyone, really, but isn't it, it's wonderful, actually, when we get to this stage, uh, receiving one, two gifts is great, but actually, isn't it the giving 
don't, don't you love you sort of thinking about, oh, what shall I get, X or Y? And you wrap it up, put it under the tree. And it's, isn't it wonderful just to see people take the gift, wonder what it is, and to, to open it. And there's something wonderful about being generous in that way, isn't it? And seeing the delight and the joy in others as they recognise not just a present, but actually what lies behind that present, that you've, you, 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 know, you want to bless them in some way. God, our Heavenly Father, is no different. He loves to bless us. He loves to give us things. I think it breaks his heart when we, you know, would you like me to give you this gift? No, thank you. No. <laughs> What's wrong? Is there something wrong with our relation? Why, why wouldn't you want to receive a gift from our loving Heavenly Father? Paul writes, um, chapter 12 and verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same law. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everything, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, God pours out his Spirit on those who are born and alive to him. And, and the response, in a sense, is to be so full of the Spirit that it, it pours out of us in whatever kind of way, shape or form it might be. A, a, a gift to someone else. Um, elsewhere Paul says it's to build up the body it's to bless the body it's not, a, it's not a trophy that we put on the shelf and say look how wonderful I am it's a tool by which we build up and strengthen a body and it's just the result of generosity of grace, of giving it, it might be all sorts of different manifestations it, it might be, well um, Paul goes on verse 8, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And in a, a, a parallel passage in this letter to the Romans, he talks in more practical ways of spiritual gifts. Not, not that those aren't practical, actually, but more recognisably. Uh, gifts of administration. Praise God. For people with gifts of administration. <laughs> gifts of encouragement. Acts of service. Acts of kindness. I mean, that, that, could, that could actually flesh out into a myriad of forms. What does, a, what does a gift of kindness look like? Well, it just depends who's got it, who's exercising it, in what context. It's just the spirit manifests in all sorts of different ways. I can think of someone, I, I won't name it for the tape, but I can think of someone who just, I think is just has a real gift at welcoming people. And um, he operates on a sign. We, we, now, every single one of us can welcome, but there's something about this person that just, I don't know, it's like, it just seems to be full of God in the way in which he'll know whether just to shake a hand or just to give you space or actually give you a great big hug. And I, I honestly think sometimes he's been quite prophetic in that way. Uh, it's a wonderful gift. Others, uh, the gift of hospitality, of sharing a, a home or a house or a meal um, in a way that just makes you feel so at home. It's, it's just, it was so, it was like an oasis moment. Other people, generosity. It's extraordinary, actually, in, if I was to think in financial terms or in terms of time um, and energy and ingenuity and creativity that there are, there are extraordinary gifts, I think, of the Spirit. Why else would... People do so much unpaid labour <laughs> with no kind of tangible reward here on earth. Isn't that a work of the Spirit? We, we need to hunger for so much 
more than that. The, the, the sort of more spiritual ones as well. I, I, um, I never really understood about, Paul talked about the gift of faith. I just thought faith was something we all had and we just exercised. Until I put on a, an event at uh, the church where I was a curate. And um, it involved quite a big budget, quite a lot of... Um, we basically re-scaffolded the inside of the church to lay on an event. And uh, all the way through, I had a lot of quite senior people saying, Tim, are you, you sure? You sure? And I was just convinced. I felt God had kind of called us to this, and I was just convinced. And I never for one moment doubted it wouldn't come off. Um, but I knew that there were... I'm very uh, grateful for, for wise people who basically said... Okay. <laughs> Experienced people. And um, it came off by the grace of God. It came off. The Two days afterwards, I went back into church to basically help the, the clear out. And we'd taken down all the sort of things. And there was just this scaffold there. And we had 24 hours to get the whole of this scaffold out because of the service on the Sunday. And I, remember, I went up into a balcony, a bit like this. And I looked over the scene where this event had taken place. And I promise you, my knees buckled. And I, 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 I literally almost buckled as I looked out. And for the first time it hit me, first time it hit me, what on earth did I think I was doing? <laughs> how did I get away with that? And I, how I got away with it was I think God gave me a kind of, if you like, a sort of injection of faith to carry me through that. And, and then he, he, you, don't need, you don't need that endowment of faith anymore. I, I'll just take that away because someone else needs it. Um, I'll take, and, and uh, God... Uh, but actually, it buoyed me up. I thought, well, Lord, thank you. When there are times when you call me, you'll anoint me. And when you call us, you'll anoint us and you'll give us exactly what we need. Faith or you know, whatever the gift of the Spirit is. I, I need to, I really don't get on with this person. Lord, please, I need an extra dose of your love. Please give me a gift of love and help me to kind of overflow with that. I can't do that in my own strength. I know that. One, one of the things as a vicar is that my primary job is to love a whole load of people I'm not sure I even like. <laughs> That's why you need to pray for me, because, I, I, you know... And the wonderful thing is, actually, Lord, thank you. I actually find not only do I love these people, I like them. But that, I can't... That's no boast on my own strength. That's not me. Um, that, that's the spirit. I begin to recognise that, actually, your differences complement you know, me and my weaknesses, and actually the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, and, and we see that worked out in the body. This is wonderful. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, doing anything else. We need to pray for the church to, to recognise that, you know, worldwide as well as in our own patch. Um, someone's once likened the church to a game of football where 22,000 people in desperate need of exercise are watching 22 people in desperate need of rest. And uh, we need more participation as, as people engage with the Spirit and ask, Lord, by your Spirit, what are you empowering and enabling and gifting me to do so that I can serve the rest of the body so that you are glorified? Final in- analogy and then we'll break. Or illustration. Um, uh, well, it's a story, really. It's uh, a guy who goes for a job as a, as a tree feller. And... Um, on the first day, the guy gives him a, a chainsaw and says, well, uh, we, we sort of have some targets. Um, so I, I think you ought to be able to cut down 10 trees today. Uh, so there you go, off he goes. And so he goes, he does his nine to five, comes back. He's only cut down one and a half. And he's quite, quite tired. And the guy says, well, it's first day, don't worry. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll readjust your target. Come back the next day, we'll readjust the target and um, I'm sure you'll be fine. So he comes back the next day and he says, well, look, just cut down five today. Let's aim for five. 
So he'd, he'd come in half an hour early and he works three hours over time. Uh, and when he comes back, he's absolutely exhausted. His hands are blistered. He's, he's drenched with sweat. Absolutely exhausted. And he hands back the, the, the chainsaw and he says, I, I only managed three and a half. I mean, that's, you know, well over double what I managed yesterday. I, but I'm just exhausted. So the guy says, look, come back tomorrow and I'll go out. I'll cut the f- first tree. Let's just see what's going on here. I'll cut the first tree and then you can go from there. Because you really, you know, I, you can do more than three and a half. So the next day they go out together and uh, get, they come to the first tree and the, the guy who's employing the, this new guy, he says, right, well, watch me. I'll cut the first one down and then you can go from there. So he takes the chainsaw and he gets the hand pull and he, and he, and he gives it a good pull. You don't like that. And the chainsaw roars into life. And the employee goes, oh. Because he'd been... <laughs> and he didn't realise there was power for soaring. You slice through trees effortlessly. And many Christians, you know, I, I encounter them all the time. And from time to time I slip into this myself. Where I just, I, I, I kind of trudge through life under my own effort and my own steam. And I wonder why I get so blistered and tired and demoralised. When God has promised to empower us to live the life he always intended us to live. So we can slice through life, as it were, and demonstrate his kingdom power and authority in our lives and with one another, churches' lives together, so that we can be the the, the hope for the nations, what he'd always intended for us to be. I will send my Holy Spirit upon you and you will live. Power for living. Living life God's way. Let's just pause for a moment. Father, as we go to our groups, uh, I'm conscious with so much um, information, but I pray, Lord, please, by your spirit, help us to alight on the questions or the issues, maybe the different passages of scripture that we can look at together in order that information might be digested by your spirit into transformation. Father, we, we want to know ourselves to be even more closely connected and related to you. Father, we, we long to receive more of your life-giving spirit, to open our eyes to you and the reality of you, to open our lives eyes to your work in others' lives, to empower us to live for you. So be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.